Our Heavenly Father, we realize our hopelessness when we open your word because we look back through history and we see that there have been many people that have read your word and it never changed their life. But there have been many people that have read your word and it has changed their lives dramatically. And so, Father, we pray that your word would become living in our souls this morning as we open it, as we read it, as we study together, that your spirit would fill our hearts and enlighten our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Sabbath school this morning, our theme, well, our theme for the conference is a living parable, right? And for Sabbath school this morning, we're going to be looking at the theme living parables in context of our personal life. And so I just want to ask you to begin with, what is a living parable? What's the difference between something that's living and something that's dead? Life. <laughs> life. So, several people have said life. What's the difference between life and death? Growth. And growth in growth means that there is some type of activity, right? It's, it has the ability to affect and influence what is around it. Right? Something that is dead cannot actively influence what's around it and change. So a living parable, if it's applied to our lives, is how our lives affect and influence other lives around us, our family, our friends, our community, right? So we are going to be asking ourselves, we're going to be studying two parables this morning, and we'd like uh, to put ourselves in the parable uh, fill in this blank for me, because there's a theme with the parables of Christ. Uh, you'll find in many, or if not most, of the parables of Christ, he begins it by saying, the blank is like something. Who can fill in the blank? The kingdom of heaven, exactly. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is like such and such. And so, if you were going to put yourself in that parable... Wouldn't it be wonderful if God could speak down and say, the kingdom of heaven is like Natasha. The kingdom of heaven is like Susan. The kingdom of heaven is like John. The kingdom of heaven is like James, who seeing the homeless man on the side of the street did such and such. The kingdom of heaven is like Jacob, who when his neighbor became angry and killed his dog that he had raised from a puppy, he responded in such and such a way. The kingdom of heaven is like. So we'd like to put ourselves into the parable this morning. Are you ready to do that together? So I remember, am I on? Okay. I remember uh, early on when we were, I think, engaged, um, we were having this discussion. We were studying in Ephesians 5. And I remember just looking and studying where it's talking about how marriage is, marriage is a parable, right? Of how Christ responds to the church and how the church responds to Christ. And I remember thinking about that and praying about it one day, and I thought, what a spectacular thing it would be if we could be so imbued with the Holy Spirit, so, so given you know, to, to Christ, that when our children are growing up, we could say, you know, honey, if you want to see how Christ loves you, watch how Daddy treats Mommy. Watch how, he, how selfless Daddy is. And if you want to know how you respond to Christ, watch how delighted Mommy when Daddy walks in the door. Now that is a very, very high calling, and so often. So wouldn't it be so wonderful if we can, our lives were so imbued with the Holy Spirit that we truly reflected the Word of God in everything that we did. Now that's a very high calling, 
But aren't we always striving for the highest calling, for what the Word of God has to say? So this morning, as we're studying these two parables, we'd really encourage you not just to look at the parable from the perspective of, as we break up in, into groups, we're going to break up into small groups and discuss. And we'd really encourage you not just to discuss it from, you know, well, we have a lot of biblical knowledge in this group and we can have a really rousing conversation theologically, but let's actually put ourselves very personally and practically into the parable and say, you know, how, how could this actually be enunciated in my life? in my circumstances, and look at it very closely and personally from that perspective. Okay, so we are looking at two parables this morning. This one's attached to you too, so I'm just going to set it up here and don't run. All right. (laughs) So we're looking at two parables, and we're going to begin with a parable found in Mark chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles... We're going to turn to Mark chapter 4, and verses 26 to 29. Now, children, youth, kids, you all have your papers? Um, And if you can find a pen or a pencil, um, I forgot to mention that, but I think that many of you can maybe find one with your dad, your mom. If there's anyone that needs a pen or pencil, I don't know if there's any extras, but Children, you're going to want a pencil, and we're going to be reading this parable together. And what I want you to do as the adults are discussing it together, I want you to take one side of your paper. Remember, we're using two parables, so I want you just to take one side of your paper, and I want you to draw and illustrate this parable the best that you can on that paper. You guys got it? And as you're drawing it, I want you to think about how can this apply to my life as well, okay? So... You got it? You draw on one side of your paper the parable and think about how it can relate to your life. Anyway, you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 26. And it says, As if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring forth and grow up, he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. So the question was, um, what is the farmer doing in this parable? And we're going to give you an opportunity now to raise your hand and share some of what you discussed in your small group. Does anybody have, anybody would like to share what they discussed? Right up here on the front. I noticed that in chapter 29, sorry, verse 29, there's a word immediately. You don't want to wait. Once the grain is ripe, you want to harvest it. Ah. And obviously, you wouldn't want to harvest it before. So it implies that there's a very critical moment Hmm. at which someone needs to receive that call to come in. Hmm. So you have the farmer at a very specific moment making sure that he harvests it on time. Very, very interesting. Anyone else? I can say like um, this earth is the field and God created, created us and he gave us, he gave us a work to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to do it by faith because to plant something, we cannot make it produce its, by itself. Mm. It is God that has the power to do it. 
But he has like two sins, like a physical way, sins I can say, and a spiritual way. Like to plant a seed, he brings fruit, and it's the same that we preach the gospel, and then God's spirit will work in the person's heart and make it, you know, grow. And the same thing also I can say, like, what is amazing for me is because the Bible said that the verse 29, I think, not 29, it said, like, um, the farmer did not know how, mm. you know? We do not know how, but by faith, we have to do the work, mm. plant the seed. Powerful. That was something that really stood out to me as well, that the farmer does not know how it is growing. He does not know how it is growing. I'm going to take someone over here. Larry Lesher at the front, and then we're going to take one in the back. Um, you're, you're next. The same microphone in the back there with the blue. We'll take you after Larry Lesher. So I noticed at the very beginning it says, so is the kingdom of God. Mm. And you had brought that up. Yeah. So this is telling us how the kingdom of God works as a man who cast in seed. This is a parable of, of the plan of salvation, it seems. This is how the kingdom works. Mm. I noticed that. Powerful. So this is... And I'd like you to keep that in, in context as we go to our next question as well, thinking about how this is specifically talking about how the kingdom of heaven works. Absolutely. Um, I think there was a gentleman in the back that had a, his hand up. The other thing that I'd like you to be thinking about with this parable as you think about it is what we mentioned in the beginning as well, putting your own name in there. How, how can this parable be fulfilled in your life personally? Yes, sir. Um, happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. One of the things that uh, we discussed was we noticed that the farmer just cast the seed upon the ground, indicating that there was really no preparation made to the soil, but the soil brought uh, the seed was able to germinate and bring forth results. We also looked at how the kingdom of heaven is like this is like the second coming of Christ. God's children are ready to be harvested. They immediately stick it in the sickle and harvest them. Mm. Mm. Yes, absolutely. All right. We are going to ha talk about one more question on this parable. Uh, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about it together as well. And then we'll kind of wrap up this parable and go to the next parable. Uh, so the next question is... We'll see if this goes forward. How does the seed grow and bear fruit? you want to explain that a little bit, hon? What, what sure. we're... I can. So as we were talking about the, what, what is the farmer doing? He sleeps, he rises, you know, by day. Does a farmer just sit all day and do absolutely nothing for his crops? Can a farmer force his crops to grow? He cannot. But can he facilitate the conditions of life? facilitate a life-giving environment for that plant that only God can make grow. So as we look at this next question, let's look at how does the seed grow and bear fruit? The seed in the ground, but also that the, the, the parable is referring to that it grows by the miraculous power of God, but also the seed in our own hearts, the seed of the word of God in our own hearts. How does that spring up and grow? And what can be done to, to contribute to that process? Let's discuss that a little bit, and then we'll come back in about three minutes. Yeah, so here's the context. Um, 
This parable actually is in the context right after the parable of the sower and the seed who sows in the different types of soil, right? So put yourself into the parable and say the kingdom of heaven is like your own name. The kingdom of heaven is like Paul, who a seed was sown into his heart and it grew. He knew not how. So let me ask you, how does the seed grow and bear fruit? So you've got three minutes to talk together and then we'll come back and share together. All right. All right. I think we're back on. Um, so the question, the question is, how does the seed grow and bear fruit? And we'd like to specifically apply it to our own lives. How does that seed grow and bear fruit in our lives? Anybody? We're going to take a few, few comments from the floor. Yes, there's one right in the middle here. So we were discussing how does it grow, and it was mentioned that uh, in verse 27, it says, he doesn't know how. Hmm. He doesn't know how it grows. Interesting. So uh, the farmer is putting the seed in the ground, and that's an act of faith. Hmm. Because he doesn't know how it grows, he can't explain it, but he mm-hmm. knows that it will grow. Hmm. And also, there's, the, there's human effort, because the farmer, he, he plows the ground, he gets the ground ready, he, he casts the seed, mm-hmm. but the farmer can't supply the rain, and he mm-hmm. can't supply the sunshine. So there's a combination of human effort with divine power hmm. that then produces the harvest. Hmm. So if we want good fruit in our lives, we have to recognize that there's human effort we need to do, and then we need to combine that with receiving the good gifts that God gives us mm. from above. Mm. Amen. Amen. You know, let me ask you a question. Is there anywhere else that it talks about fruit in the Bible? Somebody, I heard somebody talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Is that the kind of fruit that we want to have in our lives? Do you want to have a harvest of the fruit of the Spirit in your life? So, any other one, anyone else have something specifically? We're going to take a gentleman in the back here. What I see there is that one thing that happens that, that the seed is sown, but they don't do anything that blocks its growth or mm. hinders its growth. In other words, they allow that seed to take root in the heart mm. and, and it bears fruit. I, I believe on a personal level that oftentimes we want, we want seed to grow or fruit to grow in our lives, but we're doing all kind of things to hinder its growth. Mm. Mm. Thank you for bringing out that, that point. You know, have you ever experienced... Perhaps you realize that you have a, a problem with patience with your children, for example, and you really want that fruit of the Spirit in your life, and you strive after it, and you, you work as hard as you can to try and build, grow patience in your heart, or uh, peace. You realize that you just do not have peace, and you work to try and have it as hard as you can. You do all of these different things. One thing that really stands out to me in this parable is that the fruit is something that happens when the soil is right, right? Hmm. It says they don't, 
the farmer doesn't even know how it grows. He doesn't know how it happens, but there, there blossoms fruit. When, when you're in the garden, do you ever strive and work to make that tomato plant put out a tomato? No. You just wait for it to happen, right? But you do everything you can to protect it. <coughs> Say but again, do, I don't think you're on. But you do everything that you can to protect that plant and to provide the conditions of life, like the gentleman mentioned, to, to prevent it from being sabotaged along the way to prevent the miracle from being sabotaged. Exactly. Have you heard where in the Bible it talks about resting in the power of God? Mm. There's a rest, therefore, for the people of God, to rest in the power of God. To So let me ask you just real briefly, and then I, I know we have so many other people that have comments, but we need to move on to the next parable. Just keep this in your mind. Is it worth striving for the fruit, or do we strive to have a heart that is free and clear for the Spirit of God to work, and the fruit will happen as a result of his working, mm. not out of a result of our striving after it. Mm. All right, so we're going to turn to the next parable, and it is found in Luke 13, verse 6 through verse 9. And children, listen carefully. You can flip your papers over and draw a whole new picture of this next parable this on the next other side. Parable. All right, Luke chapter 13, verse 6 through 9. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it, and if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. All right, so the first question we're going to ask about this parable is, someone can advance the slide, there we go, um, how can we be a living tree that is possibly cumbering the ground. How can we be a living tree that is possibly cumbering the ground? Because the interesting observation about this parable is that the, the, the fig tree is alive. He comes to the tree, he's come to the tree three years in a row. He wouldn't do that if it was completely dead. He's come to it three years in a row saying, is there fruit this year? Oh, no fruit. Next year, is there fruit this year? It's alive, but there's no fruit. And finally he gets to the point where he's like, cut it down. How can we be a living tree we are alive, but still cumbering the ground. There's an extra verse on the screen that you can look up as you discuss together as well from Isaiah. And we'll go ahead and start three minutes of discussion on this question right now. Okay, if we have our microphones ready. Does anyone have a, a thought that they were inspired with from this parable of how? Right up here in the front. Uh, go ahead and raise your hand. Yes, I was looking at it, and it made me think about Isaiah, the fifth chapter, where God said, you know, I had this vine, this vine that I have hedged it, I've protected it, I've given it every benefit that it may bear fruit. You know, the, it's good loamy soil, <laughs> you have the sun is shine, you have the fertilizing showers, you have everything, and when I come to you at the right season, you look like you should have that love, that joy, that peace, that long-suffering all the fruits of the spirit, but you have none. And, you know, but you look like you are a Christian. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. 
and I come to you for that strength and I get nothing. I leave with nothing. That's how we can become a living, cumbering tree. <laughs> I think uh, it's also important to remember that um, you know, if you were to go into my garden right now, it's wintertime in Indiana and my trees, none of my fruit trees are bearing fruit. And are, I think it's important to remember that sometimes we go through a dormant stage. Um, sometimes the ebb and flow of life doesn't... Um, produce the fruit that either I want to see or others want to see in me. And I think in the big picture of Ad Agra and outreach, we need to remember that those trees that we are reaching out to may not be producing the fruit that we want them to see right away. We may think they're cumbering the ground, but I think that's what makes this parable important is that God is telling us to please give them time Feed them the fertilizer of my word. Give them time, and I will produce the fruit in them. How do we relate to people who are cumbering the ground or cumbering our ground? I think there's a lot of times when we have all experienced... Am I on here? I think there are... Can you all hear me? Yeah, okay. I think there's moments when we've all experienced where we're like, oh, this person in my life, you know, they... they uh, they may be alive, but there's just not any good fruit on them. You know, cut them down. I think all humanly, we've all experienced that human reaction hmm? to somebody that's in our lives. And so we want to spend a little bit of time, this time not discussing amongst ourselves, but just taking maybe two minutes to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us very personally and to give us specific names of people who we've had an attitude of, cut them down, they're covering the ground to bring those specific names to our, in, into our mind and then to impress us how can we draw close to those souls and you know, dig around and fertilize and nurture and, and minister to them specific to your situation. Let the Holy Spirit speak specific to your situation, specific to my situation. What are the names of those people in your life? And secondly, what is God specifically asking you to do to be like the gardener, in, to be a living parable, to be like the gardener in this parable, digging around that tree and fertilizing it and watering and doing everything we can to bless them. So we're going to take about two minutes to do that. Just bow your head right where you are. Let God speak to you. He'll speak to me. He'll speak to us up here. Two minutes and then we'll bring this to a close. Another thing that you can think about with that person or people in your life is who is it that when you come into their presence, all of a sudden you lose your peace or you lose your joy those fruits of the spirit that are in a sense cumbering cumbering your ground you know something that stands out to me from this parable number one is the mercy of God to that tree that was not bearing fruit but number two is that God did not just ignore that tree God did not just I mean in the parable you know the farmer the 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 landowner did not just immediately cut it down but he did something active to that tree. He dug around it, he, or the, the caretaker did, right? We're going to close with a quote here from Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings that ties into this, because this parable is specifically about the character of God. Mm. And in Thoughts from the Mount of Blessings, page 75, at the end of the chapter, it says, The children of God are those who are partakers of his nature. That's what it means to be a living parable, isn't it? Amen. Jesus 
is the ultimate living parable. And when Christ is in you, then yours and my lives become a living parable. It says, It is not earthly rank, nor birth, nor nationality, nor religious privilege, which proves that we are members of the family of God. Do you want to know what proves we are members of the family of God? It is love. A love that embraces all humanity. Hmm. Listen to this. Even sinners whose hearts are not utterly closed to God's spirit, will respond to kindness. While they may give hate for hate, they will also give love for love. It's a pretty easy thing to do. Even a sinner can give love for love. But it is only the spirit of God that gives love for hatred. To be kind to the unthankful and to the evil. That means to be kind to someone who never is kind to you in return. That's what an unthankful person is. They never even come and say thank you, do they? To be kind to the unthankful and to the evil. That's even the next level. To do good, hoping for nothing again, is the insignia of the royalty of heaven. The sure token by which we are the children of the highest by which the children of the highest reveal their high estate. Is it your desire to be a living parable this morning? Let's kneel together as we close our time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, it's very easy to look at our own lives and to realize where we are lacking of your spirit, of the fruits of your spirit. We realize the many times that we fall. Father, your word encourages us that the righteous man, though he falls, he rises again. And we pray that you would fill us with your spirit to rise again and lean on your word. To realize that there's nothing we can do to, as we can strive, we can can, uh, work as hard as we can, but we can never produce the fruit of your spirit in our lives. But we can be willing to humble our hearts and allow you to break up the soil of our hearts and to prepare our hearts for your seed to grow and that your fruit will blossom there. And I pray that you would place into each one of our lives that insignia of heaven that we would have the love of God that is kind to the unthankful and even to those who are evil to us in return. We thank you for this time together and we pray that you continue to fill this place with your spirit as we worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.